We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Ducks Dish podcast. I'm your host, Max Torres, publisher and lead editor of Ducks Digest, covering the Oregon Ducks for Sports Illustrated over on Fan Nation. We're on uh, podcast number three of the day. Uh, It's been a big podcast day for us uh, with spring ball fast approaching. Uh, Earlier in the day, talked with Graham Metzger about the cornerbacks and then also had another podcast posted with Sam Popper, the former director of recruiting strategy at Oregon, now at Akron with Jim Moorhead. So if you guys haven't had a chance to look at those, Uh, Those are both available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on YouTube. But I am joined live at Oregon Football Max Taurus on YouTube uh, by Allie Osborne to talk about some Oregon offensive line. Allie, it's been absolutely forever since we were last here. How are you doing? I'm excited to uh, talk about some O-line with you. Oh my gosh. I have always said, if you say offensive line three times, I show up like Beetlejuice. Um, It is the thing that I love talking about the most. Um, I dressed up for the occasion since it's been a while. I matched my pit vipers with my blazer because why would you not? And let's get into this because this is going to be some fun. Very nice. Very nice. Well, uh, just before we, you know, hop right in here, go ahead first into some Oregon offensive line. Um, wanted to give a shout out to Eric. I feel like he's always in the comments, uh, hyping people up, um, just, you know, before the show starts and everything. So Eric's been a continued supporter of the show. So definitely want to say thank you to Eric for, uh, all, all, uh, all of his enthusiasm around the show. It's great to have his energy here in the, in the show. And then, uh, if there's anyone else watching live on YouTube, definitely hop in the comments and then throw some questions our way. Um, definitely going to try to get to as many as we can. Got some stuff we obviously want to hit on here, but, um, with spring football starting this week, you know, there's definitely plenty to talk about. So with all that being said, we're going to go for about 30 to 45 minutes, kind of the hope tonight. So hopefully you guys have, you know, a a drink or a snack to, to kick back with and, and let's hop into this thing. So Ali, uh, new coaching staff for, for the ducks, Alex Mirabal, Mario Cristobal now, uh, on the other side of the country. Uh, coach in the Hurricanes and new new leader of the offensive line and Adrian Clem as we kind of talk about the offensive line here just off the top kind of set the stage for us how are you feeling about this group uh, if, if you're uh, you know the Oregon coaching staff okay so first off uh, I've got my pre-workout here so definitely everyone in the comments get hype ask questions we are here 
to chat and talk all about the Ducks. And starting off, right now, um, for the offensive line, what we have is a veteran group. This is the group, the position group, that is probably the least worry attached to it for um, the new Dan Lanning dynasty. Adrian Clem coming in with severe Pac-12 influence and experience with being an O-line coach for UCLA and also being a recruiting specialist for SMC. He got three rings with the Patriots. He played a year with the Packers. Go Pack Go. And um, he has that experience as a player and a coach and is brought in as that veteran uh, mindset that we saw with Alex Mirabal and Dan Lanning obviously wants to continue kind of a veteran offensive line mindset with Adrian Clem. And with that being said, let's get into our starting line because the trench monsters, they're coming back and they're coming back with a vengeance. Most of them for their last ride. We have Ryan Walk and Alex Forsyth as the leaders at center. Walk and Forsyth both kind of transitioned between each other. 2021 when Alex Forsyth had back spasms, Ryan Walk stepped in. When Ryan Walk got injured, Alex Forsyth stepped in. Both of them are very good at commanding the room and being leaders in this group. We also have Malasale Amave Laulu, and we also have Stephen Jones. And those guys are incredible. Stephen Jones is the youngest one here. He is an incoming junior and is known for his speed and strength. We also, Malasala, the beast. If you've seen him in person, I've seen him in person. Uh, he's huge. If you're a defensive lineman going up against this guy, he is massive and in, in a big threat. And the fact that he is coming back after formally announcing um, that he would be joining the NFL draft says something about Adrian Clem and Dan Lanning's um, bring forth. And also, how can we do an offensive line podcast without talking about TJ Bass? He is one of the highest rated guards in the nation who switched to left tackle with ease. This man is probably the star point besides walk for this line and is somebody that you should certainly watch. Um, And everyone seems to be coming back minus George Moore, who was a senior this past year and is kind of going around uh, shopping for NFL teams at the moment to get picked up. Um, We hope he does. And he recently was interviewed with a LA Rams podcast about his interest in that. So that was a lot of word vomit, but just to say that the offensive line currently for Oregon is something that we've seen in 2019. These are all veteran guys. They all know what they're doing and they're all back for one last ride for that kind of, taste of victory. And I think this going in um, with all of the uh, factors up in the air with the quarterback, that's going to be new with other folks that are going to be new. The offensive line being the anchor for this Oregon team is going to be absolutely crucial. Max, do you have anything to add for that? Man, that, that was a heck of an intro alley. Just kind of giving us a, a big run through with, with everybody that's uh, kind of uh, in the equation here, hitting on a lot of the key guys. Yeah, yeah. So we, we got a lot of guys that we want to talk about tonight. And um, I think just the, the offense as a whole is going to be a really interesting topic, just mm-hmm. because it all starts up front with these guys. If you don't have some good push, if you don't have some good protection, then your offense is going nowhere in a hurry. 
Um, I think one of the coolest line, you know, headlines to, to maybe start on with this um, is Salah coming back, you know, with, oh, with yeah. him saying that he was going to try to, he was going to declare for the draft for, before the Alamo bowl and then landing got hired. And in the time since he decided that he was going to be staying in Eugene. So it's just one of numerous recruiting battles. If you want to call them that, that landing was able to win when he took over as head coach. And, and I feel like with the way that the ducks kind of finished pretty strong in the recruiting trail, you know, there wasn't a ton of fireworks, particularly in that early signing period, mm-hmm. but Ali, we can't, we can't understate, um, you know, I guess we should rather, we can't overstate the importance of winning the recruiting battles for guys that are still on your roster, because those oh. are guys that have already helped. They're already here in Eugene, and then they'll be able to help you recruit more guys down the line. So I thought that was a really big win for Lanning, getting a, a, a centerpiece of his offensive line back for 2022. Completely. And it can't be stated enough that once Mirabal left, every single starter, minus the one that had to leave because he stayed out his time, they're all staying. That says a lot. And the fact that each offensive lineman, um, starting offensive lineman, all posted their intent to stay at the same day on Twitter, people were making fun of it, which, by the way, shouldn't be. Because the unity that was shown through that announcement that they're coming back, it is important. Oregon is an offensive line school. It is important to know that your starting offensive linemen are back and are a unit. And they have always been a unit. Ryan Walk has said that multiple times. So I believe that this band of brothers, and they really rely on their brotherhood, there wasn't much of a reason for any of them to leave. They're all back to prove something. And I think that Sala um, coming back was essential. He he needs that one last year. I mean, we need that one last year. But he um, coming back is essential for Dan Lanning's uh, new coaching regime and trying to get a footing, especially um, in the trenches. Ryan Wong talking about band of brothers for this offensive line. I, I think more than any other position group, Ali, I feel the offensive line has to be on the same page. And in an off season where there isn't a whole lot of continuity to be found for this Oregon Ducks team with the coaching staff changes, it's, I think it's really going to help this offense get off to a good start having so much of that continuity, having so many of these guys back that have played a lot of football, they've started, they've moved all around the offensive line. We got to talk about some versatility for sure. So with with all these new pieces around them, I think that they're in a great spot to succeed. And uh, they also have some, some talented guys coming in after spring ball. I I don't believe any of the 2022 signees are going to be on campus as of right now. Mm -hmm. Um, But you know, I don't want to repeat myself too much. I think that the returning uh, veterans is obviously a great place to start, but how about we talk about the versatility? Let's talk about, about uh, Ryan walk. I think he's a great person to kind of start this conversation around because when I think about last year and how I was a little curious why we saw so much rotation uh, with the starting offensive line mm-hmm. with the injuries that popped up, it really ended up serving the ducks quite well that they were rotating guys in all the time. They were learning both sides of the ball because when these injuries happened, that they didn't miss a, a whole lot of, uh, didn't really miss a step. Truly they didn't. And um, you can, as you said, you can obviously see that in Ryan walk. He is able to flawlessly play guard. He played both right and left guard um, his sophomore and, uh, and junior year and switched into center. Once um, Alex Forsyth got back spasms um, and 
his ability to immediately kind of command the room, there's a reason he's in the post-game press conferences. And I noticed that a lot in the 2021 season. He was the one to speak for the offensive line in the press conferences. And he has this ability to take on multiple positions and be able to still be at the forefront of his game and at the forefront of that locker room and be able to get the respect of his teammates and be a leader. And another person for versatility, if we're talking about versatility, TJ Bass, um, he played left guard and had an 86.4 guard rating in September of 2021 by Pro Football Focus. And to put that in perspective, Shane Lemieux considered one of the best left guards in modern duck history currently. Um, modern duck history. Don't hit at me with the with the early 2000s, guys. I, I know that. He had an 83.9 overall rating in 2019 in the same position. 86.4 in September for TJ Bass, 83.9 overall in 2019 from Shane Lemieux. That is extremely impressive. And for versatility, Bass was able to transition to left guard for more play with Dawson Jaramillo and also uh, for George Moore to pick up in there a little bit. And that shows his ability to just be like, oh, I'm excelling at this. Let me show you I can excel at this too. And guard, you need a lot more power behind you. Tackle, you need a lot more speed, a lot more hip movement. And being able to transition between the two is essential for um, just a strong offensive line in general. And all of these guys have had turns going which ways. I know that Stephen Jones has played guard and tackle multiple times. Walk, we mentioned. Um, we saw Powers Johnson coming in for multiple roles, uh, though he is going to the defense. We'll speak about that later. Um, Jeremillo highlighted as a Swiss army knife has been able to play a multitude of roles. I know he's also trained to play center if needed. Um, all of these guys, and this is a part of Mirabal's plan in the first place to make every single offensive lineman, a absolute well-rounded tool, no matter what is needed there in the trenches. And we have that with this veteran offensive line. And hopefully that rubs off on the younger guys as well. I know that there are guys that have been trained for multiple positions um, in the, in the depths of the depth chart that could really end up being key players later on. So hopefully this um, veteran offensive line for the 2022 season and the spring season coming up, the spring game will be able to, show that versatility and keep pushing it on in uh, the Oregon program. You figure the versatility is going to be a continuous theme throughout the offensive line room, Allie, with, with Mirabal preaching that, talking about how that's how things go in the NFL. They only travel with so many linemen, and mm -hmm. Oregon's new offensive line coach is coming down from the NFL ranks, so he knows the value of that firsthand. Mm -hmm. for, for me, it, it figures that they're going to have to find a new left guard is kind of the prediction that I would have right now for the spot they're going to have to fill because TJ Bass played left tackle uh, so well last year. And yeah. because you have the new quarterback coming in, you want to have the person protecting this blind spot being a guy that has a ton of experience because the ducks don't find themselves in the position, at least right now of having a Panay Sewell like they did in, in 2018, someone who was truly ready and gifted enough to play left tackle as a true freshman. That doesn't happen all the time, certainly not here at Oregon. We have to yeah. see what happens with some of these newer guys coming in uh, throughout the year, uh, particularly in fall camp. So obviously a lot's going to happen between the spring 
and fall camp, but it looks like that left guard spot's pretty open right now. If we've, you know, operate with the assumption that Bass is going to be the left tackle. And then you figure that you'll have Forsyth at center. You'll have Ryan walk at right guard and then Sala at right tackle. Cause I, feel I like disagree kinda... with that. I okay. Disagree. Yeah. What, what do you think? Sorry. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going to come in for a second. Uh, I think it's going to be the right side is going to be Jones and Sala. I think it's going to be Jones and Sala on the right side. You've seen their play on the right side. They are used to the right side. I think they're going to keep the right side the way it is. I think Walk's going to come in as left guard. I think it, yeah. I think that line is pretty is pretty decided at this point. Um, unless the only factor I see something really happening with is injuries. Um, I know Forsyth uh, has back spasms that have bothered him. Um, I. I looked into this on WebMD and it says that back spasms can come back because I was worried about that. So if there's a potential that that could come back or one of them could get hurt, then I see Ryan Walk being shifted. But for right now, um, starting with right tackle, it's going to be my prediction, Sala, Jones, Forsyth, Walk, Bass. And I think that um, that's probably the most likely we're going to see. Uh, I think that left guard spot is, is Walks to lose. And I don't think Walk's going to lose it. Um, and the depth currently is so unsure that I don't think the rest of them could take that from Walk. So I think that's going to be. I, I think I think the line is solid. I think it's cement, and I don't um, think that starting lineup will change going into um, the 2022 season. But hey, that's the opinion of a girl wearing pit vipers in her uh, living room. So, you know. No, you you make you make a good point about um about Sala and Jones. That was the combination that we saw a lot uh, throughout the twenty twenty one season. And you add in the fact that you want to have some experience uh, protecting that blind side and just on that left side as a whole. I think that would uh, would really help. So I think that would be a, a combination that we could definitely see. But to kind of segue into a, another interesting point in this conversation, Allie, we know that that front, that first line, that first unit is gonna be really solid. But behind that, unlike last year, I feel like the depth is a little bit more unsure, especially with Jackson Powers Johnson moving to defense. Maybe this would be a good time to talk about that and kind of what we think there. But with some of the moves and developments that we've seen this offseason, I think that the, especially with some of the departures as well, we we, ha- we should add, you know, Kingsley Suomataya transferred to BYU last year, kind of mid-season, I believe. Logan Sagapolu followed Miami, Mar- Mirabal and Cristobal to Miami. And then uh, we also saw Kai Arneson, uh, a former walk-on, going to Nevada. They, they have to get some new bodies up to speed in that second line. And I'm not saying it's necessarily a concern because we'll see new guys come in and they have some good pieces in 20, this 2022 class. Um, but it's not as certain as it was a year ago. It certainly isn't. Um, Kingsley and Logan both leave tackle depth um out of the question and arneson for a while um was considered uh the backup if walk was gone um and so i think that uh specifically with the depth chart it's going to be interesting to see what happens um i know that jackson powers johnson um debuting in the Alamo Bowl as a defensive lineman really left a lot of people surprised at his versatility um, on both sides of the ball and left Dan Lanning saying he's killing it on defensive line like let's start him there which 
don't blame you. The kid's talented. <laughs> he's able to play both sides and not many people can. I mean, he's a DJ Johnson of the lines. And I feel like going forward, the only experienced person in the death chart, which it's great that he's got versatility, is Dawson Jeremillo. That is the only experienced guy in the depth. I know that um, uh, I know that s- there were two other people I remember um, that also were in a couple games here and there um, in the in the depth chart. I'll check that in a second. But for the most part, Jaramillo was that guy to fill in any spots, and we didn't see him after the first meeting of Nevada very much because of a missed block he had. So I'm, uh, there seems to be, as he is the one with the most pressure on him to be the backup, it would be interesting to see what younger people uh, step up. I know Jalen Jeffers played against Stony Brook for a little bit. um, And he only had game time during that. And that's, not much. And knowing that Jeremillo is the guy that has to step up if any of these people get injured, which a lot of them did last year. Um, it's, I, I would say it's going to be interesting. Um, it's going to be interesting to see who from the younger guys step up to um, also be able to take on multiple roles. Dawson to me seems like he might be kind of one of the the mystery guys, the wild card of this offensive line room heading into spring yeah. ball at least. Because you already made your prediction about kind of what you how you see the starting out line shaking out. But it's worth mentioning, Allie, that Dawson was getting snaps in that Ohio State game, so mm-hmm. maybe he's going into this season just viewing it like, hey, you know, Stephen Jones got a lot of those snaps, but I'm I'm coming for a, a bigger piece of the cake here. So we could see him, you know, emerge as as a full time starter potentially. But the nice thing is, I feel like whoever you know, serves as that sixth man, especially if it's Dawson, uh, probably more so than Stephen Jones, has that proven versatility to slide in pretty much anywhere you need them on the mm-hmm. offensive line. And there was a question that we had here that I think factors into kind of some of the discussion we were having about versatility, which is such a fun thing to talk about, and I don't want to beat it to death here. But this question from Gerard is, is, is interesting. Uh, Gerard asks, Steelers under Clem generally ran more of a play action and stretch zone blocking scheme. Cristobal recruited and ran more of a power scheme. Will their athleticism and talent translate if we switch? I want to I want to start uh, the answer off with for this one. I think that the, the talent and athleticism will absolutely transfer uh, because Cristobal was trying to get guys that were massive human beings, but that had that bend and that quick twitch and the fluidity in their hips to, to get around blocks and, and get around and set edges. So I feel like with what we've seen from this current group, you mentioned Bram Walden or you mentioned Jalen Jeffers rather. Jeffers. Uh, and I remember him coming out of high school. He played rugby as well, Allie. So, you know, he that's oh, I'm sure I'm surprised more offensive linemen maybe don't play rugby because you get some of the shine of being a ball carrier and trucking over people in, in that sport. But both him and Bram Walden, who are two Arizona natives, I think they're guys that we have to keep an eye on because we haven't seen much of them since they got to Oregon. And I think they could definitely bolster the depth chart. Also, um, for the comments asking, this is a pre-workout. I'm going to do leg day after this, so I kind of kept this on the side. It's it's what I use. But yes, absolutely, uh, you are correct. Um, it's what we're seeing right now is 
basically a bunch of question marks, but those question marks can be answered pretty positively. If you look at the depth chart, if you look at that room and see who is available and who their high school careers and what you've got, um, there's a lot of great guys. Uh, sad that Arneson left because he uh, was a seemed to be a very hard worker that I think would have been would have been great. Um, but we've got a bunch of great guys in the in the depth chart to really bring up that base needed behind uh, the starters. And I also saw another question that kind of asked: um, Are any of these guys? draft prospects, the seniors, uh, I would say absolutely TJ Bass would be the most likely one to do very well. He's had consistently great performances, is built for the NFL physically and skill-wise, um, and I would say out of all of them, he is probably the most likely to um, be drafted to a team, if not drafted uh, the highest out of that group. Um, I would say also uh, Forsyth as well seems to be another likely candidate for the draft. Um, but those would be my two best bets. Uh, Max? Yeah, I, I, th I think that for Forsyth, he's going to be a legitimate Remington uh, award candidate uh, yep. You know, up, to, up there with the, the best centers in, in all of college football. All of these guys have the – have a proven track record of, of playing at a really high level. I feel like since 2019, Oregon has been right there in the conversation as one of the, one of, if not the best offensive lines in the PAC 12. And, and even mm -hmm. with a new coaching staff, I don't think that that's going to change anytime soon when you see the other kind of units that they have in the PAC 12 conference. Everyone wants to talk about USC. They've been an absolute mess in the trenches for a number of years. And that's not something that changes super, super quickly. So they'll have, we'll have an eye on that. And Ryan Walk, just how seamlessly he moved over to center is something that I think is, is going to be super valuable for, for teams when they're looking at it. And and he has an awesome story, just being a walk-on, pun intended, uh, and, and, and and then earning a scholarship. So there's a – and then Sala, I, I mean, I feel like Stephen Jones hasn't played enough to necessarily be a, a draft, draft prospect, excuse me, but Sala obviously had some confidence that he was going to be – uh, worthy of of draft consideration when when he made that call initially, so I think that he everyone could kind of have somewhat of a case here, but um, but yeah, that that's kind of my answer to that question about the the draft prospects. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? 
You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Oh, totally. Um, also, side note, Sala, the nicest guy, my mom bothered him at the airport one time when we were flying home from Hawaii, and he completely put up with her uh, asking him a bunch of different questions. So also, nice dude on top of that, too. So, you know. <laughs> Sala is a really nice guy. We only got to talk to him, I think, once last year in the media availabilities. And uh, I foolishly asked Nick Batty, one of our other reporters, to to talk to him instead of talking to him myself. You kind of have to make this for a second. <laughs> no, no, he didn't scare me, but you got to make those split decisions sometimes, uh, you know, when, because Oregon will just give you a bunch of players and they'll, they'll be like, all right, going once, going twice. Like, does anyone want to talk to this guy? Uh, and you gotta, you gotta act quick. So um, really excited to see what he can do as, as one of the veteran guys on this line. Allie, we, we have another huge position battle. The biggest mm-hmm. one on the team It's obviously for quarterback next year. You got I Ty mean. Thompson, Jay Butterfield, Bo Nix, all in the mix right now. Whoever gets, the job as QB1, they look like they're going to have a heck of a group blocking for them up front. Sure. I mean, I would say if you are a new quarterback, the number one thing you're going to want is a strong wall, making sure no one takes you down. And I think with this veteran line, it is very likely. Um, another thing that I think is interesting is for the past two quarterbacks, uh, Ryan Walk has really been their advocate. He, of course, he went to high school with um, Herbie, uh, and he was one of the people, and it sticks in my mind every time, who spoke the most amount of praise about Anthony Brown. He stuck up for Anthony Brown several times and was an advocate for him. And he seemed to really be, it seems like, Whoever Ryan Walk champions is probably going to be the starter. Um, So I am kind of watching what he thinks about the quarterbacks and uh, how he's speaking because he does tend to speak for how they're feeling about that. Um, But for the guys who are competing, Butterfield, Thompson, Knicks, they have this – beautiful benefit of having all of these starters coming back and being able to um, protect him or whomever uh, wins the quarterback battle for that. So that will be great. And Adrian Clem having the vast amount of offensive line knowledge he does and the amount of coaching experience will just add even more to that. So when we look at who um, becomes 
the next starting QB. It's really going to be, um, it's, it's going to be a benefit. It's not, uh, it's not Joe Burrow walking into the, uh, to the Bengals locker room, knowing he's going to get his uh, knees broken every game. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be a lot better than that. So, I mean, you know, Oh my God. Yeah. That was, that was savage. Bengals offensive line was, was pretty rough this year. Uh, A a great offensive line is a new quarterback's best friend. Whoever gets the job is going to be the first time Oregon starting quarterbacks. They're going to walk into a great situation there. Mm -hmm. Another person who has a great situation that they're working with. Let's talk about Kenny Dillingham. He has really, I think ignited this Oregon fan base even more talking about how he wants to to run 80 plays a game to make the Oregon offense fun, fast, flashy, explosive. And I think even though they have youth at a lot of other positions, basically every position except for offensive line, it really kind of just feels like a new ball of fresh clay for Kenny Dillingham. He's going to be able to see this offensive line, how athletic and, and terrific they are and every way and and really just I think do whatever he wants with this offense so I think that that'll be another added benefit to to having this group to work with as we get to spring ball and we kind of get to hopefully see a sample size of of what Kenny Dillingham is is hoping to make this Oregon offense which I've been saying for a while you know it's it I like how he's saying we got to make it fun again because as great as the running offense was they couldn't do very much at all in the passing game and it was honestly pretty sad to watch given all the receiving talent that they have on this roster. And that really has been begging for an opportunity. Oh, absolutely. I think that if you want a Oregon Twitter to follow, follow Kenny Dillingham's. It is some of the, some of the funniest and some of the uh, most dad off the cuff tweets I've seen in a while. Uh, his unintentional dad jokes are quite hilarious in uh, my opinion but there really needs to be that spark that excitement when I think of what really makes me excited to watch Oregon is to watch how physical and violent that offensive line can get those pancakes I immediately think um, back to like Shane Lemieux and Calvin Throckmorton just killing guys on the field. It's it's beautiful to watch, really. And when I think of the most exciting kind of play that I remember in the most recent history of Oregon, I would say it would be um, Brady Aiello's 2019 touchdown versus Nevada, which was probably the last immediate fun Oregon-centric thing that I've uh, that I've seen out of the past coaching. Um, coaching group and I think that if we can capture just an ounce of how electric people are around that um you know electric people are around the offensive line you've got a group of guys that are great spokespeople for that position group who are easily marketable as your top people and I think that if we were uh or if the Ducks are to really lean into the strength the offensive line has as being fun and being physical and not only getting games done, but getting the Oregon fans excited to be in the stands at aughts in every game. They have the ability to do that. These guys have the ability to do that. Dawson's haircut alone has the ability to do that. (laughs) I think that with Kenny's excitement towards the ability that this offense has to be that Oregon electricity that we know them for 
then using the offensive line as kind of the spokesperson for that is it's going to be it's going to be awesome. The offensive line culture at Oregon has never been better than it is now, even with some some really highly regarded coaches uh, departing. I think that I'm just super excited to, to see some of these offensive linemen running in space when a Seven McGee, a Troy Franklin, a Chris Hudson, a Dante Thornton, or any of the other offensive weapons that they have get the ball in space like Kenny Dillingham is hoping to, to get these guys. And just having some of these offensive linemen just barrel guys over to, to pave the way. Ali, another thing that I wanted to talk about, we did get a question here from from Christopher that I wanted to hit on mm-hmm. uh, since we talked about QB for a second, just with the situation that the QB is going to have. Christopher's question, Chris, thanks for the question, man. Thanks for stopping by and spending some time with us. Since QB got brought up, why would we want Bo No as QB instead of letting one of the young bloods show us what they got? I, I, I think do them like that. <laughs> yeah, we did. <laughs> I, I think I think with the situation that Oregon has with the youth that they had, I think for, for me personally, I am right there with you. I want to see some of these young guys get a shot, but you, I think what I've said on this pod before, I'm pretty sure, is that they wanted to give themselves a safe option, someone that they, they know uh, Kenny Dillingham is obviously familiar with. I, I think that that was obviously a move that they made, you know, in tandem uh, with, you know, Lanning and, and Dillingham. Dillingham was one of the first hires that Lanning made, perhaps the first one, if, I, if I'm remembering that right. But having a guy that you have worked with previously, you know, he's performed at a, at a pretty respectable level at times. I know he's not the most consistent guy in the, the best conference in football. So I think I don't want to repeat myself too much, but I think that's some of the reason that kind of went into this, at least from my perspective. But I, I am going to be right there with you and banging the drum to give one of the young guys uh, an option because Oregon can't keep taking transfers year after year. Uh, I think it's going to cause some problems down the road if they end up keep doing that long term. Yeah, it probably will um, with kind of just the culture in that locker room. And I would say um, maybe we shouldn't say anything until we watch the spring game or we Very know true. what the coaches know because. We can say all we want about Bo Nix. We can say all we want about Ty Thompson. We can say all we want about Jay Butterfield. He's there too, by the way. Jay Butterfield deserves the respect. Um, but Definitely. we can say all we want about the QBs and who we'd like to see. And But I think that un- the coaches are seeing far more than the Twitter, than Duck Twitter is at this point. That is a fact. Um, and I think that until we see what they can do and until we know who this coaching group has faith in, then that's when we can make our judgments. But Lanning isn't partial to Bo. Kenny brought Bo in as an insurance policy, um, as family that as someone who has family that are insurance agents, it makes sense um, from an insurance perspective to have Bo there. Um, and I just think that the comments dragging whoever in the quarterback competition or siding with a certain person, um, that's all kind of mute until we see exactly what they're capable of up against each other. And we'll certainly see that in the spring game. And we'll certainly see that behind an offensive line that has already proved what they're capable of. 
Yeah, I mean, I like what you said about just taking a step back. We we haven't seen what these guys look like in, in quite some time. Uh, I think that's where some of the frustrations coming from with the with the fan base, just the fact that they were in blowout games and they didn't see Ty Thompson. You know, they saw Anthony Brown, uh, mm-hmm. you know, do what he did and and some of the the really ugly losses that Oregon had last year. And uh, it also goes. It's worth mentioning that we're not at practices we're not on this coaching staff so we're not seeing what they're seeing you know behind closed doors as much uh, as i would like to be as much as we yeah. would like to be folks if we could live at Austin, we would i would have a sleeping bag under the concession stand immediately but continue <laughs> exactly so we're, we're not there seeing it but at the same time i do understand where oregon fans are coming from just with how limited the offense was last year it's widely known at this point that Mario Cristobal wasn't letting Joe Moorhead exactly do what he wanted with the offense. We saw as much on display in the Alamo Bowl, uh, which is a really hard game to put too much stock into. But mm-hmm. you don't go from being one of the most brilliant play callers in college football to as predictable as Oregon was on your own. You're, you know, Joe Moorhead wasn't doing that himself, but we don't have to go down that rabbit hole. There was one other point that I wanted to get into, Ali, before we uh, before we got out of here. We're still getting some questions and, and comments, so. Um, you know, if anyone has some more, definitely throw them our way. But with the situation uh, at offensive line for Oregon, I think we're on the same page as far as we're, we're feeling confident about this year. But with so many of these guys being upperclassmen, I think that Oregon, I saw one of the comments is uh, comments was saying that next year is the year to reboot, not reload. And I think that bringing in guys like Dave Uly, who was also mentioned, that's definitely going to be uh, someone who you got to keep an eye on for sure. But with Adrian Clem and the staff that we see at the offensive line, you know, Leek Terry is another guy to, to know there. With Clem being someone who has recruiting chops of his own after serving as the recruiting coordinator at SMU, I think there's reason to be confident if you're an Oregon fan that they're going to be able to keep bringing in some offensive linemen that are pretty high caliber guys combined with landing as a recruiter just in general. And the, the history and production that we've seen at the position at Oregon is only going to bode well for the future and getting more high-profile guys to come here. Well, just for perspective, next year, the most experienced people on the line will be Stephen Jones and Dawson Jeremillo. Those two... Um, for 23? As, for, for 23. For 23. Okay. Apologies, apologies. Not next year, the year after. Mm-hmm. Um, that will be a good time to bring up younger guys to really add help with those veterans and with those two with the experience they will have um Jaramillo with playing multiple sides of the ball um or not multiple sides of the ball multiple sides of the trenches uh guards tackles center and with Jones having that starting experience they will be able to really mold these younger guys and be able to help these younger guys while we hope that these younger guys can help them as well. And there might be a chance or a good chance to really get the Juco prospects into the offensive line in 2023. I would say um, Sala, top Juco prospect, Bass, Butte College Juco. Um, There's talent in the JUCO. And I think that that will be a thing that Clem will hit on and get offensive linemen from there. Um, As well as getting walk-ons. We have Charlie Pickard, who is a walk-on who has said multiple times he's inspired by walk 
So maybe he will be able to go under Walk's uh, shadow and be able to be trained by him and become um, the next Walk. But what we're seeing right now is a room of young guys, um, but we see talent in them. Uh, for scout team for 2021, the 2021 season, uh, Bailey Jeremillo, uh, Marcus Harper, Kanan Rossi. Yeah, how did I not talk about Harper? Yeah, Marcus Harper the second. He took snaps at center all of the 2021 preseason. Him, Arneson, and Kanan um, all took pregame snaps along with Walk, Forsyth, Jeremillo. Um, all of them were able to take pregame snaps. So if you really look at it, Harper is going to be great for a um, second up if uh, or a third on the depth chart if Forsyth gets hurt, Walk gets hurt, Harper can step in, or Kanan can step in. Kanan, uh, shout out Portland, uh, Portland rep. Um, those guys all got shout outs on um, the scout team honors. And I mean, if Dawson's pedigree is anything to look at, uh, Bailey will prove to be versatile on the line as well and have that ability even just through coaching with his brother to play multiple positions. And um, he's also a fairly intelligent lineman. Um, he was almost recruited for golf instead of being recruited for the line. Um, Bailey was. So oh. yeah, fun fact, great golfer. Um, so he has that um, intelligence with him as well that I think will really lend to being a good offensive lineman down the road. But if you look at these guys deep in um, deep in the younger bouts, we see some people that could really step up and be stars and be able to be coached by um, Jones and Jeremillo when the 2023 season comes around. The final point that I wanted to make, Ali, was we we've heard ever since Mario Cristobal was here, I don't want to keep bringing him up, but like iron sharpens iron. That was a big thing that we heard all throughout last season. And that's a, a mantra that I'm pretty sure is going to continue to be preached throughout the, the program here in Eugene program, excuse me. Um, but much like the young cornerbacks, I was talking with Graham on the cornerbacks preview earlier today about this. The young cornerbacks are going to be sharpened by the talented whiteouts that are, that are in Oregon. Dan Lanning has just brought some monsters to Eugene on the defensive line. So I feel mm -hmm. like them going against each other, Jackson Powers Johnson competing against some of these offensive linemen uh, across on the defensive line, DJ Johnson, Trevin Mai, uh, Jordan Riley, Sam Taimani. Like there's so many huge dudes that are just going to be pushing this offensive line to get better every day. Probably I'd, I'd wager the largest defensive line in the Pac-12 so I don't, I'd wager that not many defensive lines are going to be bigger than Oregon's in the Pac-12. And Georgia's probably going to be the only team that has a bigger defensive line <laughs> that, than the Ducks next year. We know we're excited for that. But I'm excited to see how these two units make each other better because Oregon needs to get a pass rush uh, now that KT's gone. And uh, you need to start building up that offensive line depth for beyond just this season. Oh, absolutely. These guys are monsters, the defensive line. So iron sharpens iron. It's really going to happen. And uh, from what I've heard, Lanning's practices are intense. And I think that uh, the intensity that these linemen are going to go through with their practices is certainly going to help elevate them. And Lanning, as a defensive guy, 
he knows how a defensive line works. Hopefully maybe he can bring some of that expertise of knowing the inside and kind of how that at a college football championship level works. He can bring that and bring that to the offensive line and help them have an insight for what these championship level teams are going to have in their defensive line. And I think that's going to be essential. Great points for sure, Allie. Well, we're about to get out of here. Is there anything else that you wanted to add about the offensive line, about the Ducks, about what's going on with you, just anything? Oh my gosh. I told you previously, if you gave me seven days to talk about the Oregon offensive line, I would talk for eight. Um, (laughs) I can never get enough of uh, talking about Oregon football and everything to do with it. But hey, if you guys are interested in following me, I am also a news reporter in Bend. How cool is that? You can see me on your TVs every night in Central Oregon for Central Oregon Daily News at CBS and ABC, KBNZ, and KOHD. Those are the channels. You can also follow me on Twitter at Allie, other one, at Allie Sosborne right here. You can also follow me on Instagram under that name too. Um, And I tweet about Oregon Ducks sports, Oregon Ducks football, and I also uh, do art occasionally when I'm not the most tired human being on the planet. Um, <laughs> so you can follow me for that as well. I did a bunch of illustrations for Ducks Digest this previous year of um, offensive like offensive linemen like Malasala Mavalulu and Jackson Powers Johnson. Those were pretty cool. And if you want to check them out, please do. Good stuff, Allie. So yeah, that's where you can find Allie. Um, we just talked a ton about the offensive line. And what do you know, Allie also has a story on Ducks Digest talking about, uh, you know, more thoughts on the offensive line. So I'm sharing my screen here and you can see it. And then also playing in the background, I feel that this is like Inception. You can see uh, a little clip from the Dave Uli episode of the Ducks Dish podcast. So Dave was a great, a great guy to talk to, a really interesting perspective, talking about growing up in American Samoa and moving over Mm -hmm. to the States. So definitely check that one out. Um, but just to, to let you guys know where you can find more of us, definitely follow me on Twitter at mtorussports. If you guys are watching on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. Go ahead and subscribe to the channel at Oregon Football Max Taurus. Hit the notification bell so that you don't miss any time uh, I go live here on YouTube. And then you can find the Ducks Dish podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify as well. And the last thing I want to plug you guys is uh, the Ducks Digest forums. So mm-hmm. I got that up on the on the screen right now. Really trying to build a community here of Oregon football fans. Uh, you can see all the other topics that we have, you know, talking about the corners uh, mm-hmm. earlier today, talking about the combine, you have Steven's post there. So we really got it all going on here. And uh, it's really fun just, you know, going full steam ahead with football and recruiting, really ramping up recruiting coverage here on the site at Ducks Digest. It's what, it's what I love the most. So, uh, yeah, you guys got to make sure you're locked in on all the platforms. So you don't miss out on any of it. But uh, that was a bunch of talk about the Ducks for tonight. I'm about podcasted out today. So uh, we're going to hop on out of here. Big thank you to Allie for coming on. I'm really excited uh, to to get you back on the channel and hopefully have some more stuff coming uh, up in the future where we're, we're talking about the Ducks. But uh, thank you so much, Allie. And thank you to everybody else who was here listening to us, whether on YouTube or the other apps. We're just glad to spend some time with you. But uh, that'll do it for us on this episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast. Have a good one, guys. Take care.